tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Welcome to Wonderland. Lately, I think uh, Freddy Krueger were to attack me, it would just be he'd be like a loan officer or a mortgage consultant. <laughs> Josh, I'm going to put points on your loan. <laughs> and a pirate, apparently. I, apparently, yes. <laughs> that took a really long time. Ah, oh, shit. But uh, yeah, if that's if that's not scarier than being cut by knives to you, you've probably never bought a house. Yeah. I haven't bought a house, but I'm going to look up your credit rating. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, if that didn't give it away, uh, this week's show is the first of, wait, what do we call it again? October, uh, wait, October, 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 October. Okay. Yes. Welcome to October where we go and, uh, go back for nothing but scary movies and nothing but horror this month. And we're starting it out with a, well, actually it started with the whole month is going to be a Wes Craven month. So, in uh, honor of him, in honor of him dying. Well, in yeah, a, paying tribute, <clears throat> paying yeah. tribute. In honor of him being dead. In memoriam. Yes. Uh, so we're starting out with Nightmare on Elm Street, and uh, we're also recording this on National Podcast Day. That w- day will have passed by the time you guys hear this, but thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, sorry for podcasting. That's why we moved the day. Yes, that's that's why we that's moved. A- yeah, that's we're recording one day early. Man, this is going to totally mess up my brain. Right. I'm not going to know, right? I don't know. Tomorrow I'm going to come into work and be like, oh, at least it's Friday. And they're going to be like, well, screw you, asshole. Where are you going this weekend? <laughs> Do you have Friday off or something? That's what they're going to say. You know where you can find a lot of other things that mess with your brain? On Friday? Patrick's closet? Ooh, ooh. Um, That's actually true. <laughs> Emo Phillips scrapbook. My house. No, no, it's no, Mr. No, no, no. Ooh. He's been released for Halloween. The ghost of <laughs> Halloween past. <laughs> of course, I'm referring to the Musings of a Geek Podcast Network, where you can find such shows as 365 Flicks, Arrow of Time, Green Up, The War Pod, and Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks. Yes, and everybody's favorite sports show, <laughs> Left Field Sports Lounge. Indeed. Yay. And, uh, <clears throat> gentlemen, we are kicking ass in uh, Musings Fantasy Football. Yeah, saw that. Three and oh, they're crushing our enemies. Yeah, we're seeing, <coughs> seeing them driven before us. Yes, such is life. What is best in life? No injuries. Actually, a pretty decent bench. Been pretty active on the waiver wire. 
And that's where it started, folks. As of this moment, our team exploded. That's my second year. I was bound to pick up a few things. Okay. So, yeah, so uh, we got any uh, notes or something like that, Josh? Well, we don't have any voicemails this week. Oh. Uh, however, <clears throat> if you'd like to leave us one, you can always give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. I don't know why I blanked on that for a second. There. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, like to, it's been, been conspicuously absent. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to check out any of our older shows, you can always catch our archives on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, or for the entire archive, TalkShoe. TalkShoe. And you can also listen to us Saturdays at noon on Geek Life Radio. When it comes to other listener feedback, it looks like uh, most of the activity has been on the Facebook page. We do have a show suggestion here. Yes. And it's gone. <laughs> what? I can't <laughs> find it. It's probably not actually gone. Maybe it was a message. I think it was a message. I'm in messages Uh, and there's nothing there. Wait, what? All the messages. I I think Facebook. Facebook. Oh, here it is. This is what you come for, folks. Right here. Professionalism. That's what I'm talking about. Other? (laughs) David Justin. So, yes. Something fruity. Would you like me to read it? Yes. You have it? Yes. Do that then. David Justin sent us a message saying, Dear 40 going on 14, in the spirit of doing a spooky slash Halloween themed month, I would like to suggest that you guys do a show about fear. What sort of things you were afraid of or spooky experiences any of you had as children and how it might have changed or carried on as adults. I understand if this suggestion does not get picked up as it may be very personal or perhaps unpleasant to share. And then to open up the window, he says, I personally am terrified by possessed dolls ever since I heard of Chucky, although I've never seen any of the movies. Best regards, something fruity. If you're afraid of possessed dolls, the worst thing you should do is open the window because that's how they get in the house. Yep. Or if you get them at an antique store that's manned by a man with a long mustache and... Or is if it, you know any witch doctors. Is that the name of the place? That's a terrible name for a store. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> sign costs a lot. <laughs> yeah, you get that neon, man. You're paying for a lot. Yeah. Did I tell uh, you, a, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went into one of these resale, like, I don't say junk stores, but antique stores, and they had a VHS copy of Jingle All the Way as a vintage VHS tape for like 12 bucks. That's well, That could have been part of my Arnold selection or collection that, that I sold off. Is that the thing now? Is that they're going to start marketing old VHS instead of having them in the 50 cent bin where nobody buys? They're going to make them vintage and everybody will then want them. That's good. That's good marketing. The hipsters will definitely be buying somebody. Them. Yeah, there, yeah, there's been there was a whole documentary about that. That culture actually of people who are. Uh, VHS fanatics now, and that's like that's, a thing. Yeah, that's why I actually I've been thinking about selling a lot of uh, my father's <clears> old uh, eight tracks and stuff like that because I'm never going to listen to them. Huh, well, I can see eight tracks popular again. But VHS, what you're just so into tracking? Well, there's a certain nostalgia to it, like listening to an old record. That and there's a lot of stuff on VHS that's not getting converted to DVD and may never. So there's a bunch of movies that they say, you know, are, are good, but that aren't getting transferred over. So it's like a name one. Uh, Drop I, Dead Fred. No, I think that's on DVD. Anyway, the, the documentary is probably Rewind a bad this. Movie. Rewind This is the name of the documentary. It's the actually Blue Lagoon good. 2. Ooh, Return to the Lagoon. <laughs> the Lagooniest. <laughs> that's, that's Return to Blue Lagoon 3. All right. Electric Blue Lagoon. Ooh, I'd watch that. <laughs> I would totally watch that. So, hey, is it about right. that time? I think it's about that time. Yes. Or not. Well, I was going to say, before we head off. You. We, okay, too late. Never mind. 
<laughs> are you done? No, I was going to say we should probably tell David Justin we are actually considering his idea and doing a show on fear. I think it's a good idea. I mean, I, I don't know if uh, even in the Origins episode I talked about my time as a paranormal investigator, but I think that's going to definitely uh, factor into the second half of that show. Have we talked about uh, running around scaring Patrick with a little little face? Oh, shut up. I nope. can't even remember what movie that was from. Joel, <laughs> Yeah, Joel, what movie was that porcelain face from? It was from a little, it was from a a, a, a Japanese, I'd have to look it up. It's like a live name. action anime. Yeah, it was yeah. like a live action anime. That thing but was anyway, creepy. <laughs> it, is, it is being tossed around for the, like, what, the first show in November? Yeah. 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 So. All right, so about that time. About that Take time. Two. <laughs> Music. Movies. TV. Sports. All right, so welcome to this weekend. I have not looked at the show notes because that is the way I do it. Well, it's not all about Sweden, <clears throat> I'll tell you that. <laughs> not the sake. That was a terrible idea. I <laughs> the pro is back, don't you worry, people. A, yeah. a bit of a cheesy yams over Aardvark's vibe. Is yeah, that that's exactly like? what that is. There's a reason I put all of you in your places. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this week in 1984, the year the original Nightmare on Elm Street was released, in music, LGC, well, we're starting right out with the acronym right of the off. week. God damn, LGC by Prince and the Revolution is the number one song. Well, of course, that's Large Green Cock. <laughs> I think you just I mean, made Mike spit. I mean, where do you think the purple rain comes from? <laughs> uh, uh, I think Prince needs to see a doctor. He's got green cock and purple rain. I think that may be my new favorite one. <laughs> oh, my God. Always go with the crotch jokes. Well, yeah. that's the thing is you guys gave me so much crap about uh, always going for the dick joke that I didn't do it for like six weeks. <laughs> and now we're back, baby. Yeah. All right. So Let's get crazy. <laughs> Let's get nuts. Ah. Yeah. That's a double entendre now. Oh. That just means balls. All right. So on September 27th, punk rock, in quotes, singer Avril Lavigne. Lavigne. Avril Lavigne. Okay. I proudly say I more than likely have never heard any of her songs. Yeah, you have. Not even skater, just boy. A skater Boy. In that I case, I, I can. I, well, okay. I'll take that back. I If I have heard one of her songs, I don't know that I did. Hmm. So. Her cover of um, Fuel by Metallica is actually not bad. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, she was born in Belleville, Ontario. She also might be the dumbest human on the planet. Yeah, <laughs> she's very dumb. Wow. Like, one of uh, like I didn't mind her music. It was just like dumb pop punk, whatever. But then I, I heard some of the things that she'd been caught saying in interviews. I was like, wow, that's that's Dumbo. extra special <laughs> and ranted. <laughs> yeah, she's she's cute though. I'll give her that and ranted. <laughs> so Ashley Simpson, speaking of <laughs> dumb and ranted, the theme, a uh, <laughs> younger sister of fellow pop singer Jessica Simpson, and we have a triple, is born on October third in Waco, Texas. She must own a six-gun. Pew, pew. Pew, pew. It's terrible, Pat. I'm, I'm guessing Joel added that. I did not. No, that was, that was, I added that for Joel, though. Uh, oh, I see. He did it for me. So, uh, <laughs> movies, All of Me, starring Steve Martin and Lily Tomlin, is the number one movie in the land. 
That's a great movie. It was a great movie. Yeah, the two of them are really funny together. And that scene when when she's got half his body and Steve Martin just you know walks as half his body as Lily Tomlin and half as him, and he's fighting with himself in his own body. Yeah, really amazingly done. You know, until you reminded me of that scene, I couldn't place exactly which film it was. But that was a really good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one and the uh, the whole scene where they're in the bathroom. (laughs) He's trying to. He's only got half control of his body. He's trying to take a leak. That was. Would you like me to tap? Yes, please. Tap, tap, tap. <laughs> Wendy? Yes, Lisa. Put, uh, put her back at bowl. Brick and bowl. Brick and bowl. <laughs> I totally forgot about that, dude. Put her back in bowl. Brick and bowl. <laughs> okay, so before we go off on that tangent, uh, <laughs> The Wildlife and Teachers are both released this week. I have seen Teachers, and I remember liking it. Yeah, the Wildlife, the sequel to Fast Times at Ridgemont High, starring Chris Penn. Really? Written by Cameron Crowe. I don't know anything about either of these films. Uh, Teachers, you have to see the poster. Teachers has like an apple with a uh, fuse coming out of the top of it. Is that the one with Jim Belushi? No. No, that's, no. that's the principal. Oh, right. That's, uh, yeah. Teachers, uh, Joe Beth Williams was Nick Nolte. in it because she's at the end of it, like it was one of the big scenes. She, out of frustration, stripped off all her clothes and ran down the hallway in, in protest of something. And yeah. I'm pretty sure I've never seen that. Here we, here's the cast for you Nick Nolte as the main character, Joe Beth Williams, Ralph Macchio, Morgan Freeman, Judd Hirsch. Uh, who else we got? The best Isn't movie some... you never heard of. Crispin Glover. Didn't one of us hate Ralph Macchio for some reason? No. I'd say Pat. Yeah, I, like I, I, I don't. Well, I don't hate him, but I've never liked him. Laura Dern and R- Richard Mulligan. I remember Sweet him in that movie. Johnny. Yeah, Richard Mulligan like Mul- was like a guy who escaped from an insane asylum, wandered into the into the school, and became a history teacher. Huh? And I'll he would, have to check that out. <clears throat> yeah, he would show up dressed up as whatever whoever they were talking about. So uh, Walter Pigeon. Veteran actor of silent films and black and white movies is this last on September 27th. God damn it. Oh, jeez, Patrick, <laughs> really? Because there must be death in the twee. Yes. And terrible jokes. Did you just lisp that? Yes. Yes. I want a little Truman Capote on you there. Sorry. Maybe. Uh, so TV on September 25th, the game show Super Password premieres on NBC. What made it super? It was bigger. It had a cape. <laughs> there you go. No capes. <laughs> if it had sour cream, it would be supreme password. <laughs> With chives. Supreme. Super password supreme. On October 1st, Montana ends its status as the last state in the union without its own public broadcasting service station when Montana PBS launches. And all five people go, huh. Peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> no, we've done that already, Joel. <laughs> Penis <Yeah>. ball sack. <laughs> American Movie Classics is also started on October 1st. That's still oh, around? AMC. Yeah, for a long time, uh, movies was all they did. Yeah. Or they'd have that guy who would give you the history of the movie beforehand. That was always cool. I like that. Yeah, I like that show. All they right. still do it, but not very often. Yeah. So uh, sports on September 25th, the New York Mets' Rusty Staub joins Ty Cobb as the only players who hit home runs as a teen and in their 40s. Wow. <laughs> That's nuts. Uh, California Angel Mike Witt pitches a perfect game over the Texas Rangers 1-0 to zero on September 30th. Is he related to Jay? No. Now, do you guys know what a perfect game is in baseball? Uh, uh, no hits, no balls? No, it's um, no batter ever reaches at first base. So, like, no errors, uh, no walks. Wow. And, yeah, no hits, no nothing. <laughs> that was actually going to be my guess, only I would have missed the no errors. Yep. All right. So... There you go. <clears throat> that is the this weekend for this week. So now. Oh, no outro? No, my phone died. <laughs> no. 
Uh, we'll, this weekend. we'll Ooh. fix it in post. Yeah. <laughs> so that <laughs> was this weekend. Um, then 1984, we were in, uh, introduced to a sweatered gentleman by the name of Freddy Krueger. Horror icon. Yes, which went on to become a really weird, like, pop culture thing. I remember, like, t-shirts with teddy bears with claws and, like, you know, like, just all sorts of, like, rip-off type things on Freddy Krueger that, you know, like, it, it became, a homicidal maniac became entirely too comfortable in pop culture, like, everyday type stuff. There was a TV show, there was toys, there was t-shirts, lunchboxes. There was a nightmare. T- Freddy's Nightmares, yeah. Pogs, that's your contribution? <laughs> Thanks, Pat. <laughs> Look, Alf Speck in <laughs> Pog form. <laughs> all right, so it was directed by Wes Craven. And uh, written by Russ Craven, starring John Saxton, also known as that guy from V, <laughs> uh, Rodney Blakely as Marge Thompson, Heather Langenkamp. Yep, Langenkamp. Amanda Weiss as Christina. Yeah, Heather Langenkamp, of course, played Nancy, who's like the lead. Yeah, who's like, yeah, and she keeps playing it, too, later on in the series, too. Um, Sue Garcia? JSU. How do I say that? Sue? Zhu? Zhu? That's how I'd guess, yeah. Yeah. Zhu is Rod Lane, Nick Corey. Yeah, credited um, as Nick Corey. And uh, a new guy on the block known as Johnny Depp, who had to be introduced. Yes, I'm introducing Johnny, Johnny Depp. Depp. Glenn Lance, uh, and con- continuing the uh, stars who started their career in horror with uh, Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Joseph Whip, Charles. Well, technically, Fl- Kevin Bacon's first appearance in film was in Animal House. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And who was in uh, Friday the Thirteenth? He, he's right. It was Kevin Bacon, but he's saying he was in Animal House prior to mm. Friday Thirteenth. And uh, one Robert England as Freddy Krueger. Jennifer Aniston also can be in that category. She was started out in Leprechaun. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure she loves that being brought up all the time. <laughs> Along with her nose. They did a prank on her once on the set of Friends based on Leprechaun. Really? Oh, yep. that's poking the bear right there. <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, Friday the third, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street. Give us a little trivia here. Uh, Robert Englund, the very first time he put on the infamous Freddy Krueger glove with the razor fingers, cut himself, which boded well. And he probably was like, uh, this is a prop. Why does it have to be so sharp? <laughs> Don't you don't you know we're acting? Um, this and then uh, as I got contrary reports when I was looking up facts on this, this film was either shot in thirty days or it was shot in ninety days. We'll just it and say sixty. Yeah, we'll cut we'll cut we'll, we'll cut our losses. They shot it in thirty days, but then they did it again twice. Okay, so and the other thing is Johnny Depp accompanied his friend Jackie Earl Haley to auditions for the film, and Haley was not chosen for the role which for that Johnny Depp played uh, was chosen by Wes Craven. Uh, wanted him to read for a part. Depp got the part, but Haley didn't. Twenty six years later, I keep wanting to say Haley Joel Osment, <laughs> Jackie Earl Haley, <laughs> Jackie Earl Haley remake in the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street winds up playing Freddy Krueger. At least you're not trying to say Jackie Joyner Kersey. <laughs> <laughs> I would Sorry, watch that. That just occurred to me. <laughs> um, and the uh, the sparking glove effect when he's touches the glove to metal and get that sparks on it was uh, seen all through the movie and was achieved by. We're just going to attach the glove to a car battery and uh, we'll we'll make the effect that way. From and I'm sure Robert England was like, okay, I sliced myself open on this the first time, and now we're going to electrocute. <laughs> so let's electrify it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just go- wire it up. It'll be fine. Yeah, what can it go was, wrong with that? It was the 80s. I could get away with that stuff. 
And uh, the scraping noise was created by rubbing a steak knife on the underside of a metal chair. So rubbing metal on metal. So that was good job with those sound effects. <laughs> um, did all of us, all of us got a chance to watch this, right? Oh yeah. It's on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I wanted to watch it with fresh eyes because, uh, I don't know. I, I, I've always had a kind of a complicated set of feelings about this first one because it establishes the lore of one of my very favorite horror movie villains. But I can't say that I'm a huge fan of either the first or second film. And I wanted to watch it again just with fresh eyes to see if I felt the same way. I agree. I am a fan of Freddy Krueger, and I think the think that the movie movies actually came into their best times at the Dream uh, Dream Warriors. Oh yeah. And uh, no, I I watched this again with fresh eyes. Like it's literally been it's got to been over five years since the last time I've watched this. And I gotta say, it was Uh-oh. very eighties. It was very. Um, I like the synth sound effects or the synth uh, soundtrack. Well, and there are some iconic scenes which are awesome. Oh yeah, but uh, I mean the whole the whole scene where um, it was uh, not Nancy uh, Christina uh, gets tossed up to the ceiling and she's being torn apart by Freddy and they were li- they were probably weren't they rotating the whole room to have her bounce around like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they mm-hmm. had a fixed camera with a with a cameraman strapped into a seat <laughs> and mm-hmm. and the room just rotated around. Yeah. Oh, and then her in the body bag, like all big scenes for her. And she'd go on, of course, we're talking about Amanda Weiss as Tina, uh, it, to be in both Fast Times and Ridgemont High. Actually, that was, this was after Fast Times and Ridgemont High, but, uh, between Fast Times and Better Off Dead. Right, right. Yeah, she, um, she was really good. Yeah, early 80s mainstay girlfriend actress. Yeah. Uh, so she gets sliced up by Freddy in her dream, leaving good old Rod Lane or to Nick Corey for it. Yeah. Yeah, to get fingered for the whole thing. Yeah. Um, well, it's going to happen when you pull a switchblade on your girlfriend's best friend's boyfriend just for saying one little thing. You might get accused for murder later when somebody shows up dead. Yeah, and you well, still they, have the knife. You're right. They like, find if, you're it that, if you're that much of a hothead, though, that you're going to like, you know, open a switchblade at a guy... <laughs> Who clearly is not going to be fighting you with another switchblade. No, he's going to be fighting you with windblown hair. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. He was supposed to be like the football player jock guy, but he was kind of a slight in this film. He was a kicker. Well, yeah, he, you he had them come off more as like a punk, like a like a troublemaker than a football player to me. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about Johnny Depp's character. Oh, Glenn. I was going to yeah. say, I thought... The Johnny Depp is supposed to be the jock. That's his generic horror archetype, but he's like a little guy. He's like the uh, the friend zone best friend kind of guy, the nerd almost. How old was he? He was young. Twenty one. Twenty one. I'm just guessing. No. I- well, because Heather Langenkamp was twenty, because she makes reference in there where she looking in the mirror and she says, "I look like I'm twenty now," and she really was. That's cool. I'd wondered. Yeah, that was what she was 20 at this point. So for the people who haven't seen it, let's break down the plot. And uh, we've talked about some individual scenes, but uh, the story pretty much opens with Tina having her nightmares. Uh, we meet Freddy a couple times uh, where he's attacking her, but it seems like it's more to frighten her than to actually go for the kill at the first. And they do a really good job of, I mean, if it's the first time you're ever seeing this movie, they do a good job of setting it up where it seems like Tina is going to be the lead. And then when she actually gets killed right in front of you, you know, 20 minutes into the movie, it's it's kind of shocking the first time you see it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like Psycho. I mean, and the funny thing is, is Freddy only originally had 17 minutes of screen time in the entire movie. 
Um, and the, the character itself was based on, uh, Wes Craven when he was a kid. He looked out his window and saw a guy in a, a fedora and an overcoat looking up at his window in an apartment building he was living in and just stared at him and like stared at him for like 20 minutes and yeah, then just and, walked away. Yeah. And it was a homeless guy who actually had horrible burns. And huh. so it, yeah, that was the inspiration for the character. It turns uh, out he was also, 21. Huh. Oh, yeah. That's right. And uh, Freddy stalks Tina, and uh, Tina goes to her friend uh, Nancy, who is hanging out with her boyfriend, uh, uh, Glenn, who played by Johnny Depp. And uh, they run into uh, Tina's on again, off again boyfriend, the uh, musician, drug addled, youth at risk. Uh, Rod Lane. Toting bad guy. You can tell he's bad because he's wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> and, and he's got an earring. Ooh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're, they're doing the whole sleepover thing because she's afraid to sleep alone. And that really doesn't help her very much. Well, it helped her in the beginning. Doesn't oh, matter, had sex. Yep. Yeah, you've got that classic horror movie trope where, uh, First character, first female character to have sex. It's like you know she's not going to survive the next half hour. Mm-hmm. She's not, not going to survive the next ten minutes. But e- I mean, even back then, though, it wasn't so much a trope yet. You know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So uh, so she gets sliced up, rolled around the room, and uh, Rod takes the blame. Gets tossed in jail after a very brief escape, uh, where she he gets to. Um, Nancy and uh, tells her yeah, what's happening. Who happened. knew if you show up covered in the dead girl's blood that they would accuse you of murder? Yeah, no kidding. Really? And like that first scene right before Tina dies, we get to see a little bit of Freddy's like trademark what sets him apart from the other uh, slashers. We've got his uh, like self mutilation mixed with humor, where he's like, hey, Tina, check this out. And he cuts off a couple of his fingers mm-hmm. and starts shooting green blood everywhere. Yeah, that was creepy. Kind of like that Prince song. <laughs> <laughs> you know what was what effect actually i remembered and there were things standing out josh that i was the face appearing above the bed oh that one held up yeah i mean i i knew that all they did was stretch some cloth there and had uh freddy press his face up against and look all you know freaky but damn it's effective but i mean and honestly um not to you know spoil the early the next version but it looked better in this movie than it did in the remake. It did. I agree. I definitely agree with you on that one. The, the practical effect was much better than the digital. Yeah, Although kind of a, a lot of the other practical effects did not. Like Freddy's long arms. Yeah. Yeah. Which looked like, I don't know, cardboard boxes. Or the telephone tongue. The telephone tongue was cool. It I was mean, still it, cool, but still. It's cheesy. Well, his his long arms looked exactly like what they were. They were just puppeteered arms, basically, that were extended. And then they did the close-up on his hand scraping against the wall. And you can tell that it's not the same. You know, it's not attached to that arm. So, is uh, Freddy Krueger coming after somebody? What is that squeaking? That's Lucy. She's trying to get on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's Lucy doing her Freddy Krueger impersonation. <laughs> She's actually Thanks trying to be Mr. Nose, but yeah, even the uh, uh, scene I was just talking about, where he cuts off the fingers, the blood effect was uh, very, very simple, obvious, just like the fake blood being shot out of tubing by some sort of hydraulic bulb or something. Yep, <clears throat> good stuff. It still worked though. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. I actually watched this with Katie. Wait, what? Oh, interesting. Yeah, really, really. I think she's old enough. Yeah, yeah, she's fifteen. So. She's she's old as as old as the characters are supposed to have been in the movie. So I'm like, well, yeah. you know, that makes sense. So she's <laughs> about the age I was when my dad took me to see uh, Nightmare on Elm Street five. I guess yeah. I would have been the same because yeah, I went well because I went to go see five in the theater too. Yeah, and that was my first horror film in the theater. I'm pretty sure. Same. Yeah. And she was kind of like, 
you know, occasionally I'm like, you, you, you all right? Yeah. Okay. Just checking. Again, blood, you know, the blood scenes kind of set her off, but you know, she was fine. I mean, she wasn't like shocked by it. I mean, she's been watching Supernatural and that sort of thing. So it's not like anything there's that she's seen there. She hasn't seen in this one. I mean, honestly, is one of the, one of the, I'm, comp- just, I'm just imagining fast forward to like two in the morning and she's screaming. <laughs> Mike's like, damn it. <laughs> no, Suzanne's like, damn it. Oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, uh, but no, she was, she was all right with him. And she wasn't, she was like, yeah, that was, that was all right. That was scary. And she's, you can tell that she was kind of like, I'm saying it was all right. Cause you said you liked it, dad. <laughs> you know, that's, that's all why right. I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but she wasn't, I mean, one of the things in watching the two of them that, that both the remake and this one, this, I don't know, was like a, almost like a campfire story. Does that make sense? I can see that. It was like this story that you're telling at the campfire to scare everybody. And you've got, you know, like the finger knives or you've got something that you put on your hand. And when they, when they found the glove, you know, that sort of thing. That's the kind of frightening that this was to me this time around. Yeah. Cause after the focus shifts away from, uh, Tina onto Nancy, uh, and Nancy starts drifting off into sleeps and being stalked by, uh, Freddie. Uh, you get some of the other real big iconic scenes. Uh, Tina in the body bag appearing in the school and being dragged down the hallway. That the one awesome. is awesome. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to no. say that, that one still stands up. And, and when you throw in the goat sounds and things, I mean, it just, that one still it holds up very well. Oh, yeah. And the iconic, awesome Nancy in the bathtub scene. Oh, yeah. That was, this one was much better than the, what they did in the new one. I mean, they, they paid, kind of paid homage to it. They didn't 100% do it, but the, the whole idea of the bathroom, bathtub bottoming out on her was a good, a good effect. Yeah, because Freddie actually pulls her down and she finds herself in impossibly deep waters with just this like hint of a box of, uh, place where she could escape to air. It was a cool effect. Yeah. And once again, you can, you can kind of relate to it because if you've ever been in the bathtub and you're, you drift off, I mean, just imagine that suddenly you, you, you wake up and that's what's happening. I mean, it's, it's a frightening thing to kind of conjure up. Sure. And it almost is reminiscent of like, you could imagine what it'd be like to fall through ice where all you've got is the hole that you fell through. Yeah. And get back like, up to that one little spot. Yeah. So, but, um, some of the other things I noticed in this one where I, it's with telephones. <laughs> I I don't know, for some reason when things are happening and I'm like, why isn't she just calling somebody? Oh, we don't have cell phones in this movie. Uh, did we talk about the tongue, the tongue phone? Well, we haven't gotten to that point yeah, in the plot point. yet, but we're, we're headed in that direction yeah. because, uh, she's starting to figure out what's going on, that all the kids are having the same dream and she figures that Rod is probably next. And she gets the idea that she's going to have Glenn watch over her and she's going to start exploring around in the dream to try and figure out where Freddy is, who he's going after. And she realizes that uh, she's not the immediate next target. It's Rod, who is in a jail cell with a bunch of blankets and shoelaces and a coil of rope left in the corner. (laughs) Um, So they get down to the to the police station and start doing the oh, no, we've just got all we want to do is check in on him and make sure that he's all right. And in the 20 minutes of explaining that they're giving to the cops and why they just want to just make sure he's okay, Freddy shows up and strangles him. 
Um, and what yeah. I didn't get is why did it work? Because as soon as Rod started getting dragged, he woke up and it should have been done right there. Because he was still dreaming. Yeah, the, still they, dreaming. that was, was no, that was a main theme in the whole thing is that they kept waking up, but they were still dreaming. Yeah. Oh, and it also ties in with the ending that Freddy obviously is not completely powerless beyond the dream world. He has some limited abilities to affect objects. And when we talk about the ending, that scene with the bedsheet rope is actually going to be important. But uh, that, that'll be a little later. Let's continue plumbing on through the plot. What kind of jail cell was that where they have bars on the top? Don't they all like just go to the ceiling? Not in small towns, no. Really? They don't yeah. have enough ceiling? Because, so, I mean, some, some <laughs> small towns, they, have, they repurpose a, build, you know, a building and it has the ceilings are too tall. So they actually just make a box. Uh, so we can't afford ceilings. I was going to say, that's a really convenient way to have those bars that he would a really good place to hang himself on. But... So he he dies. Neck breaks just as they run in the door. Uh, daughter gives uh, that was her, that was her dad, wasn't it? Yeah, her, yeah, her yeah. dad is the chief. Yeah, or yeah, lieutenant. So Nancy gives good old Donnie a good firm look because another one of her friends have died. And one point or another, you think that they the adults in this movie would you, you think they would catch on or not even catch on, but start to question things. But they have the adults are dumb trope going on. Sure. Well, and even the kids for a while are just like, it's just a dream. It'll all be fine until it's not. And I also thought it was a weird decision for them to show Rod's funeral. And nobody seemed to really like Rod. But we didn't see Tina's. Mm. It was just an odd narrative choice where it's like everyone's going to be mourning at the funeral of the dick bag that nobody really liked. That is true. Well, but you also wonder with the parents, though, once they realize who they're talking about, I mean... They know what they've done, and so maybe they just don't want to admit that what's happening is happening. Sure. Uh, yeah. a, a little bit of denial and a little bit of cover our ass. Right. Yeah. And at one point, you've got um, old Marge Thompson walking around the house with her bottle. What was she drinking anyway in that frost? Vodka. That was vodka? vodka. Okay. Old granddad. <laughs> wow. Um, at one point or another, when your your child brings up the name of the guy that you 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 and the other parents got together and killed, there's a guy in my dreams. His name is Freddy Krueger. He's coming to kill me. If that name just gets pulled out of the air, don't you like call the other parents immediately and be like, "Hey, something's something's going down. You know, somebody found out something. Something is happening." Unless you're yeah. March, then you just drink more. Yeah, it, it is just weird that they don't jump to the conclusion that uh, maybe Fred Krueger is alive. That, that's the more reasonable than like this guy you couldn't possibly have known about. You're just making him up with spectacular, startling detail, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and telling me he's killing you in your dreams. I mean, at the very least you would think okay maybe we didn't actually kill him and he's back mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean how many guys run around in a fedora and a christmas sweater aside from well, not now yeah. well nowadays right yeah but th that was just weird like it would have been an interesting choice if they'd been like had a manhunt for fred krueger because they think he's on the loose and they're just not getting that he's actually in the dreams it would have been a little more realistic to do that yeah instead, instead of them just staring at the <laughs> at the house and he's like She's breaking all the windows, and he's like, "Yeah, if I should get the chief." <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, because he 
Because uh, uh, John Saxon, uh, Lieutenant Thompson, tells Sergeant Parker, "Go out there and keep an eye on my on my my daughter's house. Let me know if why should what should I do? Let me know if anything weird happens." Okay, so she busts out the first window and is screaming, "He's in here!" Yeah, Does this nothing. Is the same Sergeant Parker who couldn't find the keys to the jail cell before Rod died. Yeah, yeah, this guy needs to be fired. So, but he's standing there. So it took three windows getting busted out. Before, Before he would even turn around and go, I think maybe I should go get lieutenant. Yeah, that's exactly right. what he says, too. And even you're watching that kid, he's like, he's not a very good cop, is he? <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> he's not. He's an idiot. <laughs> Before we even get there, though, uh, the mother tries to do something that is somewhat logical. She's like, OK, this has got something to do with dreams. Let's put her into a sleep study. Right. And then uh, Roger Rabbit <laughs> helps out with that. Charles Fleischer, ladies and yes. gentlemen. That was but, I, honestly please, of all the the shocking points of the movie. That was probably the most shocking thing for Katie. Wasn't like, hey, see that guy? Yeah, that's Roger Rabbit's voice. Really? <laughs> like, huh? So when that he, he actually, Charles Fleischer actually, as a side note, does a really good TED talk. So oh, look it up if you want to hear something really interesting. So Nancy app. realizes that the parents are going to be useless. She uh, gets the idea that she can actually bring things out of the dream when she grabs Freddy's hat in the sleep study and brings it out with her. Mm-hmm. And again, the mother's like, yep, that doesn't look suspicious. Yeah. But at least you- it's enough for mom to, like, give her the reveal of who Fred Krueger is and why she doesn't have to worry about him, even though she clearly does. Yeah. <laughs> you don't worry about this, man. We all ganged. We had a uh, mob rule and burned him alive. He After did. it was weird that like he he had murdered sixty kids through a period of years, but a mistake in the search warrant let him out. Then they went all Captain Howdy on his ass. Yeah, uh, that that just that I don't think that happens. Yeah, somebody doesn't sign a search warrant. Oh well, I guess you win this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Wes Craven just wasn't familiar with the law and he just was looking for an easy Is way. Is my to... face red? Because plot. <laughs> well, and the whole thing uh, about Freddy being a child murderer was a last minute audible. Yeah, they changed that. He originally was a child molester. Yep, but there was a series of child molestations in California in 1983 and 1984, and they did not want to be accused of attempting to profit over sensationally handling the topic in a crass and and heartless way yeah or being unoriginal you don't want to be accused of that either yeah i got a great idea for a movie (laughs) sit down frank but but, so she gets the idea that she can go into the dream which is honestly was a great idea yeah i mean she knows fred krueger was this child killer that the parents all burned to death and somehow he survived and talking to her boyfriend uh she uh, is preparing to do battle and she's learning about dreams she's learning about booby traps she wants to booby trap her room and pull him out where he won't be as powerful and then kill him in the real world right and then she learns well she, no she had the book earlier for setting up booby traps and all that but she goes to her dad give me 20 minutes and then come in and get me she wires up that pro- that house pretty dang good for 20 minutes. I know, minutes. it was a total yeah. A-team scene. Yeah, I'm like, she is, I mean, you almost expected to have, you know, I was waiting for, like, the montage music to kick in really hardcore with that, especially when she's drilling the uh, the mallet to the ceiling. Yeah, because like, it, it was so me- crazy to me. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to wait until I tell you 20 minutes, and that's when I'm going to start doing all this work. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I, I found that odd, too. The timeline seemed a, seemed a little off. I think the editing should have taken care of that. They should have done that a little bit differently. Yeah, I'm like, Get it would take me welder. 20 minutes just to find the damn drill to put the stuff together. <laughs> She's got plenty of time to drill a hole 
into a light bulb and fill it full of gunpowder on top of everything else. Without blowing herself up, yeah. So I, those, Apparently she used to be a Navy SEAL. Those nitpicks aside, she's got her plan. Yes. Uh, she's trapped in the house, though, because Mom has decided that the most dangerous thing is people climbing in through the window or her getting out. I Yes, a little bit of A, a little bit of C. Also... For external uh, cages, external um, gating put up on the outside of a house, in one afternoon, she gets a contractor, <laughs> gets a permit, shops for and buys the exact size they need for those windows. Well, maybe she was planning it ahead of time. Well, you know, I got to say it's genetic because obviously if the mom can do that in one afternoon, why couldn't the daughter do all that in 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> These the people fan. are very efficient with their time. So, yeah, so they the house is all wired up and booby-trapped. And, uh, you know, waiting, or we're waiting for the 20 minutes. Can't get out of the house because the front door's locked. She goes into the dream, and then they start pulling off all these great dream tropes. My favorite one is the, the ground turning to, ju- to glue. Yeah. She's trying to get up the stairs. That was a really cool effect. I mean, yeah, even, even though you could see the pots where she was going to step in the glue that were just like gray on the top. It was still really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it pulled off really. I mean, it, it, everyone's had that dream. I'm trying to run from point A to point B. I can't. Oh my God. The ground is, the ground is melting under my feet or whatever. I mean, it, it pulled a lot of the, uh, there's the, you catch yourself falling. Wasn't there also? I think there's all those things that they talk about happen, things happening in dreams. Uh, while they, they did touch on them here and gave like a nod to them. I think again, back, it wasn't until the third one that where they came on full on like dream control type stuff, but yeah. Well, part two is a whole other animal that's getting a documentary of its own here soon. Yeah, it's kind of like the Super Mario Brothers 2 of, of, of the series. Well, that's a whole other show. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like this movie more than you guys did. Oh, I, I didn't dislike it completely, but I had some issues with it, most of which we're getting to. Because when you get to the ending, uh, the ending has been controversial for years. Because, like, it seems to violate its own rules all over the place right at the end. There was a whole lot of dispute between Wes and the writers and the studio as to how to end the movie. Yes, because they wanted it open for a sequel. So, basically, Nancy pulls Freddy out into the real world uh, where he can actually be hurt by her booby traps. And she's trying to get her dad's attention, but uh, Barney Fife is screwing around in the street. As <laughs> we were just on talking fire. About. Maybe I should call somebody. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, she eventually chases Freddy through this series of Home Alone traps, gets him down to the basement, and hits him with his weakness. She douses him in gasoline and lights him. Yep. Torches that puppy. He screams, rolls around, oh my god, I got him. And thank you know, thank you for getting the he's not totally dead when he runs yeah, upstairs. Yeah, and then things get a little weird. Actually, before we move on. I wanted to say that that stunt was all done in one take, where he, the guy on fire runs from the basement up the stairs, falls down, runs back up. Really? That was all one take. Hmm. Couldn't you see the, the giant fire award. suit? The, the stuntman won an award. It was the stunt of the year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You could see that Freddy was a little puffy. Yeah, yeah. he was big. Yeah, it w- was obviously a fire suit. Yeah. But, okay, at this point when the cops break into the house, things start to get a little weird because uh, they're occupying the front room. They run downstairs. Freddy's not there anymore, but there are flaming footprints leading upstairs. Yep. Right to Mama Cass. Right. Right (laughs) to the mom's room. And it's made pretty clear that the mother was like the central parent uh, who was instrumental in making sure Fred Krueger died the first time. Yep. So he's going straight for her. 
And in the real world, he like drags their mother down into the bed after like struggling with her. And she's got that weird like arm shooting up all skeletal as she goes into the thunderstorm bed. And that effect, actually, aside from the clearly mechanical nature of the arm, that was still a pretty cool effect. Oh, where it faded into just the sheets afterwards? Yeah. yeah. That was cool. And and uh, John, John Saxon standing there with... with nonplussed is the best way to describe they were their reaction like, well, well i guess i can stop those alimony checks yeah <laughs> hello 35 percent of my check back <laughs> yeah so yeah so they stand there and they watch mom meld into the into the uh, mattress and it seal up with that great that thunder and lightning effect underneath and all that and that's item two that is a little discordant oh you know what we totally skipped over Johnny Depp, uh, Glenn's Glenn's death. Oh, we did. Yeah, let's roll it back and talk about that before we get into the ending, because I have a whole thing about the ending. I was waiting. So uh, Glenn gets told to stay awake, and when uh, Nancy calls him, he's supposed to run over and save the day. And somehow, despite Miss Nude Universe being on TV, he falls asleep. Yes. And being Johnny Depp, he apparently decides that telling his mom, he's, are you going to stay up all night? Miss Nude Universe, mom, spanking it all night long. Um, (laughs) wearing headphones watching tv uh frying bacon all at the same time he falls to be fair he's been up for like four days that's true the two of them stop sleeping yeah and then that's right because then uh nancy's room has like the never-ending uh hole of coffee makers (laughs) (laughs) mom takes pulling mr coffees out of everything and they were full too I mean, it wasn't like she had this other coffee maker. Oh, I better start it up. Go get some water. No, she pulled out an entirely full 12 pot of coffee. I, mean, I imagine that's how Mike was as a teenager, though. I, he still is, I think. Just random coffee pot stuffed everywhere full of coffee. No, that doesn't make me feel bad now, man. <laughs> so, but in the meantime, Glenn falls asleep and the hand comes up. I think outside of uh, uh, Christina... Christina's death in the very beginning. This is like the the death that people remember from Friday the Third. I mean, Never Known Street. Sure, yeah, it's the third big iconic scene. You've got the bathtub scene, Tina's death, and this one. So uh, Johnny Depp, Glenn Lance is laying in the bed. He falls asleep, and Freddy's hands pop up out of the mattress and just pull him in. So he gets sucked into the mattress, and then I think in the trivia it was probably two hundred gallons. Five hundred. Five hundred. Wow. Yeah. 500 gallons of fake blood then come blasting out of the hole, to which they probably put that other room into play again because it looked like it was being shot upside down. It yeah. was, yeah. yeah. But it's like pooling at the ceiling, and Mom walks in, and uh, her son Glenn has now been turned into pudding. Yeah, the yeah. bed basically was like a garbage disposal and just spit everything right back yeah. up. Uh, yeah, his body's not there, and there's a hole in the bed, which is a- another point, which is going to tie into my thing about the ending, showing that Freddy, even outside the dream, has the ability to affect the real world. Yeah, so he, and apparently what's left over is so bad that even the uh, the coroner's doing the blowing chunks in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, the guy's coming in with a stretcher. He's like, better get a mop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or when the there's so much blood, it's pooling up and coming through the floor into the ceiling in the bedroom or yeah. in the living room. Did you guys catch Dante was one of the corners? He's like, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, he would have been like 10 at the time. So I suppose that's true. <laughs> He's... I don't know why I'm a coroner. <laughs> <laughs> the youngest coroner we ever elected. 
Yeah, way too much blood. Way more than could have been in Glenn's body. It was all stored in his hair. <laughs> it was in the <clears throat> headphones, I think. Yeah. So there's that. His death happens. And uh, in the meantime, while everybody's focusing on that, that's when Freddy makes a strike. Right. And then we're back to, okay, so she brings him out of the dream after being taunted in the dream. It runs him through the booby traps, thinks she kills him in the basement, things start to get weird. He uh, somehow gets through the living room without anyone seeing him. Gets up to mom. Did anybody else, when they saw the mallet up there, was it waiting for like the Fred Flintstone noise? Maybe a bit of Wilhelm scream. Yeah. Was there a Wilhelm scream in this one? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Well, that was one of my my big problems with with the overall movie. Even even after I got picked it up on Blu-ray, is that the sound in this is so up and down that you can't have it at the same level without blowing out at at certain points. Huh? Because the sound on it is so whack. That's weird. I had that problem with some other films for this podcast, but uh, I watched this on Netflix and didn't actually have that issue. Yeah, the, the Blu-ray and the DVD both are very, very, very disjointed with the soundtrack. But anyway, go ahead with your, where you're at. Okay, so mom goes into the Thunderbed and uh, she <laughs> Mad knows Max still Beyond in. Thunderbed. <laughs> I was going to say the same damn thing. <laughs> Two bodies enter, one body leaves. <laughs> Freddy comes back out of the bed. Nancy's taunting him, but she's turning her back to him as she learned from uh, the Balinese sleepers who had the ability to control their dreams that if there's a monster in the dream, you could turn your back on it and would have no power over you. Seems to me to be a really bad idea. But it's a horrible it's, weakness, I'll tell you that, for a monster. And it seems to work-ish because he disintegrates as he's going for her, or so it seems. And uh, even if you're able to ignore the weirdness up to this point, the fact that Freddy's using his powers in the real world when he's not in the dream, etc., he teleports up the stairs or invisibly runs up super fast somehow, we get to the ending where she walks out of the room and instead of going to sleep, she's outside, she's in a dream, she's in the real world and everybody's alive again. And it's all foggy. It's off focus, yeah. Yeah, and everyone's yeah. happy. Mom's alive. And I all think the kids I'm going to quit drinking. I just don't need to do that anymore. Yeah. Going out to the, the convertible in the front of the house. Until... Climb in the convertible, then fire it up, and then the top flips over, closes everybody in, windows roll up, and the top has got the Freddy Krueger stripes across the top. So it looks like a sweater on the top of the convertible. And then the kids get driven away as they're screaming in the car to try to get out. And uh, mom gets pulled headfirst through the window of the front door. Yep, right back very, by Freddy's Wouldn't happen if the bars were still on. A very awkward scene. <laughs> Yeah, I remember at the time thinking it was a little Looney Tunes. It was just such an obvious, it was such a badly done effect. Because you could tell it was just kind of thrown in at the last minute. Yeah, the facts that her knees don't bend, That's that was a... <laughs> yeah, it just looks like they're pulling a mannequin through the window. Is all, yeah. Yeah. And it was so weird because it's like you've got a, a film that's got these rules. And it just <laughs> seems like the ending is like, okay, what the fuck just happened? Mm -hmm. The Monty Python effect, that's what it looked like. Yeah. So there are a bunch of theories as to what actually happened in the ending, especially considering that Nancy comes back for Dream Warriors. Well, she came back for, yeah, she came back several times. Yeah. But, well, as does John Saxon. 
Right. So, like, what was really happening? Uh, one popular theory is that uh, Nancy never got out of the dream at all, hmm. and the whole ending is a dream. Uh, that that one I, I don't like for a, a number of reasons. It's like Freddy starts doing supernatural shit. Why trick her into believing it's a dream if he's just going to reveal it uh, by – teleporting through the living room all those weird items i had you pay attention to are clearly supernatural why even pretend to be weak and vulnerable outside the dream if he wasn't if the whole thing was a dream mm-hmm. um the, the uh, going theory is that okay well that's real uh but then of course the ending must be a dream which okay that's fine i guess yeah i think the the need for a uh for a sequel really should have uh overweighed the the usage of I mean I I, I agree with you that it, it was very confusing to think that there was this happy ending going on and then totally flip it over on its head but it does kind of explain that he has more control than you originally thought which does definitely comes into focus when you're watching the dream warriors sure and i think what is actually happening here is that uh there are moments and they, they get into this in the remake where she is awake but dreaming. She's got these micro-sleeps because she's uh, been awake for so long. Uh, somebody actually picked uh, bits out of the script that say that in the script uh, she was micro-sleeping. It actually is mentioned. This isn't just like after the fact going back and uh, mentioning it. But it's weird that they don't ever talk about micro-sleeps in the film. It just happens according to the script. Hmm. And a lot of the moments where things get weird are moments where she's going back into the dream. Uh and I, I kind of think that if uh, she had not destroyed him and, like, sent him back to the dream world, she probably could have killed him permanently. The scene, even up to the point where uh, he kills her mom, that, that's all real world stuff. It's got to be. Or the last, like, half hour of the movie is pretty much meaningless. Yeah. Well, it gets kind of twisted. But, it's, I mean, when it seems like that's... I don't want to say a, a trope, but that's just kind of like with the curse of doing movies that are based off of dreams. I mean, when you've sure. got, like, uh, oh, Dreamscape. It's, it's kind of like time travel. There's always just going to be plot holes. Yeah. And, you know, what I think they did really well is in the in the second one, they kind of stuck to it. But in the third one, they went full depth, not full depth, full, full, full in with it's cooler if we just ignore it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can pull this, you can pull the sword, you can create swords, you can create whatever you want. You're a magician in your dreams, fine, whatever. They, I think that's where the needle swung from it being a horror movie to it being more of an action movie. I can see that. Right. You know, well, it's not so, because we know what, we know Freddy's going to do stuff to the kids, but how are they going to try and fight him this time was actually the big question, I think. Right. Because nope. after the second one, Freddy was no longer scary. Yeah. He was more of a, a one, one liner Joe Kraken and, maniac. And that's why this is honestly my favorite one out of all the Nightmare on Elm Streets. Because he was a lot, he was, even though it's kind of dated a little bit, he was a lot scarier in this one, in my opinion. Despite the fact that, the two girls, the two women that played the Thompsons, Nancy and Marge, were just shit actors. Oh, yeah. yeah the acting, I actually think aside from Johnny Depp and the dad, oh, John uh, the acting was pretty bad all the way around. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, just their scenes together are just painful to watch. Oh, the whole scene in the kitchen with the hat? Yeah, just that was just awful. <laughs> Where did you get this hat? I learned it from you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it felt like. And 
Heather Langenkamp, just honestly, I'm not trying to be, you know, shallow or anything. She's she's not fun to look at. And, no, oh, I, I disagree. Oh, I just I don't find her appealing in any way. She's she got a poor man's Jennifer Connelly going on. In she my doesn't opinion. think well, she's, got a, she's got a poor man. Well, yeah, never mind. I'm not going to say that. That's just too mean. I just don't. But I mean, her, her acting on top of the fact that I don't find her attractive. And I don't mean that you know, you have to be attractive to be an act, a female actor. I'm just saying don't be so unattractive. <laughs> what? <laughs> that sounds like a great place to stop yeah, right there. I, I disagree with both your opinion of uh, Langenkamp and your whole premise there. <laughs> well, right. just for reference, she was in 1, 3, and 7, although in 7 she played herself. Yeah, but you yeah. also she's not in anything else other than the Nightmare on Elm Street series. That's not true either. She was in Star she Trek. Stinks. She stinks she on the, ice. She was on Just the Ten of Us. Whatever. Nobody's ever seen that. Uh, she and, was and in seven American Horror canon, Story. To, to be fair, because Seven is out of universe. Yeah, it's in the real world. The yeah. new nightmare. She played Nancy Kerrigan. Well, she should. That's the best role for her. <laughs> it, but I just wanted to tell before we go. I mean, are we done talking about this one? No. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't I'd know. like to hear uh, Joel. Joel's been pretty quiet. Well, with the dogs here, it's been hard to talk. I gotcha. Um, for me, I mean, this, this, this is one of my big movies from when I was a kid because Freddy was the first kind of foray into horror on my own. And, uh, when I, I remember seeing the commercial for the original on TV and it scared me literally, like I was afraid of the TV playing the commercial that, um, I thought I saw him in the closet at my grandma's at one point and, he was just frightening to me. And, and it wasn't until I actually saw one of the movies and the Freddy's Nightmare show came on and, uh, you know, he became an icon that I really kind of fell in love with the character. And I had the big six foot poster behind the door in my room and the dog won't shut up and it's driving me crazy. Um, <laughs> and he became, you know, this, this character that I just, I, I loved everything about him. So this original to me is it, it stands as, yeah, it, it doesn't hold up in some ways. But there's a lot of really good things going on in there. Um, the the sound effects, the um, you know those iconic iconic scenes we talked about, and um, uh, you know it set the tone for the entire series. Um, well, that's so. because they had to you know using once you like with Jason, you're you're restricted by physics for the deaths to a point. With Freddy, when you toss him in the dreamlands, they can go as crazy as they want for him killing people. I mean, looking my my favorite death out of all of them's got to be in Dream Warriors, where he pulls the veins out of the one kid and walks him to the cliff. You know, walks yeah. him out the window. And oh. I think that's the thing is uh, one of the reasons why I still like this, even though I have major problems with how confusing the ending is, how inconsistent the ending is, and how it maybe doesn't break its internal rules, but it certainly bends them at points. But without Nightmare on Elm Street, you can't have Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which is one of my favorite horror films of all time. Yes. And Even it's not. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And it also has Dick Cavett and Zaza Gabor also. Well, here's Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Here's my thoughts on, on the series as a whole. I mean, the, the first one is definitely like, like I think Pat said is, is the scariest, but I think two gets a bad rap and it, it continues on with being dark and frightening and, it in and of itself is an iconic movie because it's entirely it's the incredibly gay overtones of the entire film that were supposedly unintentional but now it's become kind of a an icon because of it part three which kind of reboots the whole set and is arguably the best in the series 
four and five, which are garbage, and six, which is just complete garbage. Um, uh, you know, it just got really bad. And then seven again re- restarted the whole series with Craven coming back on board to uh, do an idea that he wanted to, um, you know, complete the series with. And I think it it's actually one of the best of the of the series. It's probably the the third. Um, best out of the series of seven hmm. uh, i actually liked five but maybe that's just because it was the first horror movie i saw in the theater yeah if you watch it again i mean i watch them pretty regularly not like every year but i mean i watch them with some regularity and um they they really don't hold up well as a whole um and then if you can i don't know if you count freddy versus jason but i mean that's just a your horror lover's dream sequence no pun intended. Who ended up winning that anyway? It was a pun. Um, well, it, <laughs> spoilers. Uh, at the end, uh, Jason ends up or Jason ends up cutting off Freddy's head and his arm, and um, Jason Freddy shoves his severed arm through Jason's chest, and ultimately Freddy falls into the water. Jason falls in the water. They both kind of die, and then at the very end, Jason walks out holding Freddy's head in his hand, and the rest of the body is in the lake somewhere. Um, and then they cut to Freddy's face in close up and he looks up and smiles. Hmm. So they technically both win. All right. Of but that one's full of holes as it is. And we could talk about that. It's a whole show in and of itself. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, take a break here and yeah. when we come back well, real quick. I just wanted to tell a story. Um, the first time I ever saw this movie, uh, I was watching it at my house with my um, sister and my mother. And we had a gate outside, and this was about eight o'clock at to night. To hell, <laughs> just it was just a normal gate to get into our, you know, in, into our house. So hell to a courtyard, and then to our front door, right? Yeah. And my dad comes home from work, and he opens up the gate, and we're all watching this, and then we just hear outside our front door, and we all about lost our shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, nice. just a funny story, Patrick. <laughs> all right, so when we come back, we're going to take a look at the uh, remake. Yep, be back in a bit. Welcome back to the Nightmare on Elm Street show. We are stepping into the 2010? Yep. 2010 remake. Yeah. A uh, remake so critically panned that they're talking about rebooting the series again. Yep. Well, well I mean, considering that uh, the director that they have for it is only known for music videos, um, it's it's probably not too big of a surprise. Although the, the, the screenwriter wrote Cape Fear and Arachnophobia and... But he also wrote Doom and Wolf. So the director is Samuel Bear. Yes. Uh, Samuel Bear w- and written screenplay by Wesley Strick and Eric Heisserreiser. <laughs> <laughs> what? Heisserreiseroni. <laughs> the ding, San Francisco ding. treat. Um, characters created, by, of course, by Wes Craven. Who had did nothing to do with this. Yeah. Uh, and actually, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. This one, uh, again, is a story of Freddy Krueger, a man who was hunted down and killed and come back to eke out revenge on the parents that killed him by ch- killing their children in his sleep, in their sleep. Well, it could have been his sleep, too. Maybe he has to be asleep in order to come into his dreams. Never know. <laughs> He's like a narcoleptic. So, uh, this time around, Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy Krueger, who had auditioned for the role 35 years earlier. Well, not the role of Freddy Krueger, but no. for a part. No, that was a joke, but it's all right. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Sorry. Next time I'll hold up the sign. Uh, joke. <laughs> uh, Kyle Gellner as Quentin Smith, which I guess he was a parallel to the Johnny Depp guy. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Well, yeah, they kind of composited a couple of, well, sort of. Anyway. Yeah. And then, uh, Rooney Mara as Nancy Holbrook. Uh, Kate Cassidy as Chris Fowles, Thomas Decker, Jesse Brown, Kellyan Lutz, Dean Russell, Clancy Brown. Who we have established his middle name is Motherfucking. Yes. As <laughs> Clancy Motherfucking Brown. underused in this movie. Yes. Well, anytime, unless the movie is entirely about Clancy Brown. If Clancy Brown is in the movie, <laughs> he's underused. And Connie. I'm candy. Connie of Britton. Of course, of course you are. Sorry, as, Josh, I should have left that to you. That's all good. <laughs> Sorry. I got something to say. As Gwen Holbrook. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, and Connie Britton, you said. Yeah, uh, Connie Britton is Dr. Gwen Holbrook. So in the, It was driving me crazy who where I knew her from until I finally looked it up and saw that she was on Spin City. Oh, really? Yeah. American yep. First Story, and now she's on Nashville? Yep. Yes. Yeah, for me, it was uh, really about American Horror Story. She was uh, Vivian. Awesome in that yeah. first season. Like I said earlier to you guys, I still haven't seen any of that. Mm-hmm. So, but um, so anyway, getting on with it. Here's a little trivia about these. Freddie's sweater was knitted by Judy Graham, the same woman who knitted original sweater in the Nightmare on Elm Street 1984. They called her. Hey, Fred, Judy. Yeah, still got that pattern. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> been waiting 32 years for this. <laughs> You've just been waiting by the phone. They're going to call. Yeah. <laughs> on eBay. There is a 55-foot long truck out there with nothing but sweaters in it. <laughs> what has this woman been doing? Uh, Rooney Mara hated being in this movie so much that she almost quit acting. Which I hate to is... say this. Oh, go ahead, Joel. Oh, what were you going to say? You hate to say I was that. just going to say, I, I kind of feel she is the lesser of the Mara sisters. Which yeah, that's 100% true. She's Who's gone sister? on, though, to do, I mean, she's become quite the accomplished actress, though. I mean, she's a, a not, well, she's borderline A-lister at this point. I mean, I just like Kate a lot. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with Kate. I, again, going back to uh, American Horror Story, but, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the girl with the dragon tattoo and, and, uh, um, is the one that I kind of saw her actually do something different, but she's done some other stuff that has got some acclaim. Anyway, so sure, I'm sure there's more to that story about her hating being in this movie. Well, and uh, her path into acting was because it's a family thing. I mean, uh, she took her stage first name because of the relationship to Mickey Rooney. Yeah. So yeah, that that entire family from Mickey Rooney on down, uh, they're all in the business. Bang, zoom, Jiminy Willikers. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Wes Craven was reportedly not approached about this remake and has publicly spoken against it. Oh, wait. He has? Yep. Yep. Uh, Robert Englund gave his personal blessing to Jackie Earl Haley, saying to replace replace him as Freddy and saying the torch has been well passed. Uh, You know, when I heard the casting announcement, I was like, okay, if you got to do this, and I'm not sure you do, Jackie Earl Haley's the guy. Well, and what's interesting is I read, it's not in the trivia here, but I read uh, one of the trivia facts was that they cast him based on his portrayal of Rorschach. Of course. Yeah. So they're well, kind of doing the same voice. When I was watching this, yeah. I actually watched it with my wife and Sarah said, hey, uh, if he kind of sounds like Rorschach. I was like, well, there, there's a reason for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, between Rorschach and Freddy, it's same side or two sides of the same coin. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, many scenes were copied shot for shot from the 84 to pay homage to the original Wes Craven film. And 
There are about 15 different drafts of the script were written, and the final film is a hybrid of four of them. Which is, I, I left, I put that in there because I remember when this was being kind of shopped around and the, the idea was being kicked to, you know, around as a, a possible thing. I mean, they, they literally, I mean, that 15 drafts of the script, I mean, they kept saying, you know, there's another script regret, rejected, another one rejected, and they just couldn't seem to, it's kind of like the Freddy versus Jason thing where they just couldn't seem to find the right story for what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy, but we'll talk yeah. more about that later. Yeah. You gotta so, wonder what some of the other ones were. Freddy goes to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched this Freddy on the train back and forth to work today. Yeah. 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 I watched this on the train back and forth to work today. And discovered something, that when you watch Friday the 13th on the train, you get a seat to yourself. See, we keep doing that for you all the yeah, time. it's great. Next time, I'm going to probably have to remember to bring my headphones. And it's <laughs> still not Friday the 13th. We should do Friday the 13th, and then he'll say Nightmare on Elm Street the whole time. We should do an Alzheimer's show. <laughs> That's next week. All right, so yeah. So anyway, I watched, yeah, I watched this first thing in the morning. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, on the train. a morning movie. No, it isn't. It's, I'll tell you that. It kind of gives you a weird frame of oh, mind when you're walking in morning the Morning with a U. Yeah. Ah, uh, ah. I started watching this at 6.30 this morning. Um, that'll, that'll kickstart your day. Yeah. Right. So the plot's a little bit, little bit twisted in this one. We uh, start out where? I don't know because it was 6.30 it, in the morning. It was the diner with Dean, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. The opening line is him asking for coffee. Yep. Dean asking for coffee. He has not slept for three days. Looking like hell, and he's afraid to fall asleep. So he's talking to Nancy. No, talking to uh, Chris. Chris. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. talking Chris. to Chris about how he can't sleep, and he's going to come and kill him. He's somebody in his dream. And then as uh, Chris gets up to go get something, he falls asleep. He goes. She goes to get a towel because he threw the coffee across the room or whatever. And um, he falls asleep for a moment, and then Freddy jumps into his dream and makes him not just slit his throat, with a steak well, knife. Yeah, I was not expecting the, I, I you know, the stabbing was kind of, all right. It happened just a little later because cause he, he was kind of wandering through the kitchen first and then they established the the other characters, the other uh, the other guy at the other table and then Rooney Mara was the waitress. Yeah, that. that's true. You do get to, you get, uh, to know Quentin just a little bit, know that he's a right. low man on the totem pole with the people he hangs out with and apparently really wants to ask out Nancy. Wah, wah. I'm pining for her. Yeah, so uh, he pretty winds up in his dream. Slice, cut, gouge his throat out? Slit. I don't know. That wasn't a slit. I mean, he got the knife, like, like sawed his trachea open. Yeah, yeah it was like he was doing it with a butter knife. No, it was like one of those those stubby-tipped uh, steak Diner knives. Steak yeah. Knife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was safety scissors. Which might as well have been a butter knife, you know? So Yeah. So, of course, this snaps everybody into the funeral, and uh, Nancy and Chris start talking. And, uh, was, who, which one was it? Was Dean? No, who, uh, was chasing her away? Jesse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the entirely forgettable Jesse. Yes. Jesse chases away Nancy from talking to Chris because I don't care what you remembered, even though it's the exact same dream that everybody's been having. And there's and no he reason. He himself has been having. Yeah. And there's no reason we should all maybe be talking about this. Um, chases her away because you just make things worse. Because of plot. Yes. Uh, on from there, we really don't see. It, it takes a good long while before you get Freddy full on in this one again. Yeah, and he's definitely scarier in this one. Yes. He's got a humor, but it's all gallows humor, like really dark. And yeah. he apparently, his his lines were not scripted. He did everything off the cuff just to kind of keep the actors on edge. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, hmm. you think uh, just uh, having Jackie Earl Haley around would do that to them normally? Right. 
Well, and and the makeup in this one, they specifically went for a more legitimate burn victim than in the uh, in the the original series, which was more stylized. This was they literally went to photos of burn victims and said, "We want this." Yeah, no soft tissue and all that kind of. Yeah, no lips. That was actually. Part of the problem, too, though, is that when Jackie Earl Haley talked, his mouth didn't quite move with the makeup, and so he looked a little like a Muppet. <laughs> yeah, he did a little. A very, very <laughs> angry Muppet. But when he talks, he talks like Rorschach, kind of. There was a great quote from him. He said, how do you get into, how do you get into character? He's like, after three hours in the makeup chair, you feel like killing somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so then we get um, Chris starts looking, starts getting stalked by Freddy on this one. So in history class... She falls asleep for a moment, and then her history book starts showing up the claws, which she has become familiar with because he's chasing around in the dreams. And a lot of discussion on this with them talking to each other about it. And uh, she, what is it, the, where he comes up to her, and he's like, I'm not going to hurt you, right? And he flicks. It cuts her hair off. Yeah, flicks at her and cuts a lock of her hair off. So when she comes back, the hair's laying on her desk, and that makes There's her- a beautiful effect right in there where she realizes she's in the dream, tries to wake herself up, and then everything turns to rotten decay around her. Yeah, that, that was, was a really good effect. There was some good tra- dream transitions in this. There was that one. There was also him getting out of the pool. Yeah. You know, there was – I mean, you definitely and – and some of them were – the, especially when near the end of the movie where they started fading in and out of like walking dreaming. Yeah. And until they actually explained why it was happening that way, I actually, in my mind, I was being a little critical of that aspect where it's like they're overplaying the whole like they never realize they're in a dream thing. And then at the end, it's sort of explained. But we'll they get do there. Use, they do use far too many jump cuts in this movie. That was kind of. Well, it's an MTV generation movie. So exactly. Yeah. It was modernized. 2010s is MTV generation? No, but I mean, like, it's the... Well, I the thought we were the MTV time. generation. We are, but uh, the videos with the short c- clips and the cuts yeah. and the quick it's the cuts. ADHD, the ADHD. ADHD. style. Yeah. Yeah, that one. I yeah. can't even say it. Watch uh, Armageddon sometime and you'll notice that there's a cut every 30 seconds. Hmm. Or Watch is it every what? five seconds? Armageddon. There's like a cut to then another scene every like five seconds. Mm. Anyway. Uh, it's, it's it's a reality. But anyway, so then after she's in class, she is that when we go to her house and uh, boyfriend is staying over with her? Yes. Boyfriend shows up. But no Glenn because there's no Glenn. Yeah. No Quentin either. And uh, then they get the you get a retaste. Retaste? Is that a word? <laughs> it is now. You get a retaste. I agree with that. Um <laughs> Of I cannot the, believe that has held on for all these episodes, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Patrick, we keep running jokes forever. <laughs> so you get a... But it's oh, just such a simple little... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> a redo of Chris's death from the original one where she's flying around the room. That actually bugged me a little bit because this was one time where they uh, did violate one of the series rules is where if someone is really trying to wake you up, that's one of the ways you temporarily get away from Freddy. Mm-hmm. And it bugged me that he was shaking her pretty good and screaming wake up and she couldn't. Mm-hmm. Cause at least they had an explanation for that later in the movie when it happened. But this yes. one did not. They did do a lot more explanation on this one. There was a lot more. This is why this is happening. A talk. A lot more exposition. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. she flies around the room. And of course, Je- no one believes Jesse on the she just mysteriously died in bed with me. Yeah, covered in her blood. Covered in her blood. Now, and I didn't think to call the cops. I just started fucking running. Right. Yeah. That's that's the biggest problem I have with all these movies when something like this happens. Just don't run. 
Because it makes you look guilty. Even though you didn't see who killed them and you don't necessarily know exactly what's going on, you know it's not yourself. It's probably going to at least take some of the blame off you if they do do investigate you. They got to think about it a little bit. You know, well, next she's time got... You find, next time you find the person you're in bed with murdered mysteriously through a sleep murder, don't run from the crime scene and wait for the cops. That's all I'm saying. Right. Cause yeah, don't be no... John Goodman and Barton Fink. Where were you eight years ago? <laughs> Uh, well, watching they also had the um the thing about this this guy running away is like in the first one he had the switchblade on him so he could potentially be like oh well i've got the switchblade on me i better get out of here or they're gonna you know know it's me or even because i've got the knife he didn't have any weapons on this one he there was no weapon being pulled on anybody in the beginning of this was there no nope nope so and he was not obviously a bad guy he didn't have a rap or anything he didn't have yeah. a record no he was just a bit of a douche he didn't have a rap record <laughs> no i don't think he, he may he probably had a rap record because he was kind of douchey so <laughs> um, <laughs> mr noodles and i'm here to say <laughs> <Okay. laughs> all right so <laughs> oh, i have missed that character <laughs> So he takes off, don't know why. He gets tossed in prison, sits in a corner and huddles until he falls asleep. And Freddy shows up and toys with him for a little bit, messes with him. What are you cringing for? I haven't even cut you yet. And then fucking disembowels him. From behind. Now, yeah. now, to, to, just to spoiler real quick, the best part of this entire film is in this one sequence. When he has him hanging upside down and mm-hmm. he's like... You know, even after the body dies, the brain's still alive for six more minutes. He's like, we've still got more time to play. Yeah. That, to me, bothered me more than just about any other line I've heard in a, a horror movie in a while. Just the thought of it's it's like, you know, the old saying about, you know, when they used to de- deca- decapitate people in, um you know, back in the old days. And no, the they bot- still do it. Just everywhere. Well, in some places. But, you know, the, the your brain still functions for a short period of time. You can see your body decapitated from your and it's just a frightening thought. Yeah. So that was the best part of the whole movie. And that really I mean, well, you know what? I'll I'll make this point later because keep talking about the movie and I'll make it later. Yeah. I've sure. got other things later. So. Yeah. Because then the, the guy who he's been stuck in with is like i didn't do it it wasn't me <laughs> he took the smart way he did the right thing well yeah well and also there's well, a camera in every damn room and he couldn't run that well i think he saw the 1984 to on elm street so he realized yeah don't be a rod he, he he'd heard this podcast he's like i'm not gonna run <laughs> yeah. he heard this podcast <laughs> <Time traveler. laughs> five years earlier so don't yeah. ask how just yeah so him. he he freaks out so obviously you know, that's that's another plot hole in this camera in the jail cell. You saw you saw the screen up top and there you think at one point or another, this guy's chest explodes, throwing blood everywhere. They would go back and just be like, hey, I think this, you know, this is kind of weird. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's a little bit of a hole. Yeah. I mean, are we sure they had cameras? Did they show a shot of cameras? Yeah. I don't think they showed them in the cell. No. They showed them in the hallway for sure, though. In in one of the uh, one of the scenes in the upper left hand corner, there is a shot of him sitting in the on top of the bed in the cell. Hmm. So there was a camera inside there. Oh. You know what? Then again, there's a whole well, Freddy's control over outside of uh, the dream world that he you know fuzz up the camera. But fine, whatever. It's slasher flick. So where are we going? You know, we got to keep sure. the, keep the plot moving. So now he's dead. And his death doesn't really spur on the investigation. I mean, most of what spurs on the investigation is the fact that Freddy is specifically leading the remaining kids to this schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. 
Now, a cool twist on this that I that I really liked was when they were they found the picture because the whole time that all the parents are telling all the kids you you haven't met each other since high school you've there's no reason you would know each other you know and how could you possibly remember something when you were when you were uh, five years old yeah which is kind of a bullshit you know explanation. Well- if the kids kind of mentally shut that down inside of themselves, then that could be their reasoning for it to them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I, and it seemed like they were encouraging their kids to put this behind them to forget at a, a critical age. Mm-hmm. So, but we have at this point Quentin and Nancy uh, are com- basically combining forces. We learn that Quentin's surviving because for years he's been taking this drug, and he actually knows quite a bit about what happens when you don't sleep mm. yeah he's he's doing some research at the bookstore which i'm sure they love the people bringing in their laptops and researching on the desks mm-hmm. so don't treating your bookstore like a library yeah i don't know why that stuff why that bugged me um you don't even own a bookstore what I, don't, are you upset yeah, about? I don't know why i'm upset about that but uh <laughs> So they do the research, and then they find this picture in Nancy's mom's desk of this class, and they're like, oh, my God, there's ever, there's all of us. And Nancy takes to the Internet and starts searching out, which I find amazing that there's hardly any commentary on Freddy Krueger. You think that in this the time, I guess this has got to be, looking at the technology, probably 2005? Well, they, they kind of a little bit explain that because at one point they say he just disappeared. Yep. And they don't really, it's not really reported that they, you know, trapped him in a building and burned him to death. Yeah. Right. And Clancy Brown's character, the principal, he's some sort of uh, important citizen. And he's been actively making sure that no one even remembers that Fred Kruger existed. Mm -hmm. And why would they? He was the gardener for a preschool. True. So they, they're doing that, but in the same notion, she uses that amazing search engine of, uh, yeah, what was that called? Uh, Gigablast. Gigablast. Yeah, oh, that's what your comment off. was. Yeah, where you can type in anyone's just plain name and get exactly what you need on the exact person you're talking about on the first hit. Well, that's what Gigablast is famous for. They, they know exactly who it is you're <laughs> looking for. They've, they've ferret out all the other people that have nothing to do with you. Oh, so the stormtroopers should have used that then. <laughs> right. It, it's, the pri- it's, it's a private investigator's you know best tool. Yep. No, it's putting them out of business. <laughs> no, they, they're the only ones that use it. It's, it's kind of like a, it, they, they it, must it, have gotten some secret code or something. It's worth, it's, it's worth the payment to get in, really. It's like the, you know, for the real estate agents, they have their own little website. It's like, you know, this is a private investigator's search engine, and I'm done with this line of stupid yeah. jokes. <laughs> Keep going, Pat. <laughs> I do. So, uh, so they discover that in, in the dream, Quentin gets sucked in underwater because when you have gone three days without sleep, the first thing you're going to do is go to swim practice because no I way. Fall anything. asleep mid stroke. Yeah. <laughs> fall asleep mm-hmm. in the water. He gets pulled under, which I would, they had the bathroom scene earlier where the claws come up while she's in the bathtub, which was Pat a falls nice sleep mid stroke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that, and that didn't, that literally went nowhere. I mean, the hand came up and mom knocks on the door, the hand goes down. And I was expecting a cool get pulled into the bathtub scene, but we get Quentin's getting pulled into the uh, swimming pool. He comes up and now he's in the middle of like a demilitarized zone just outside of this happy little subdivision. <laughs> Well, I yeah, think that's it was, the dream version, the Freddy Krueger dream version of that area. Well, you, yeah. you know, everything that he shows is darker and nastier. And You're talking up. about the RoboCop Industrial Park? Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying that's seen through the eyes of Freddy Krueger. So. Yeah, right. that's true. And it was the area outside of town that you had to go to to get to the preschool because the preschool was pretty far outside of town. 
Yeah, it was a bit of a drive, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, if you're going to molest kids, you don't want to do it in town. Zoning. Your and such. So they, he discovers that the parents of the town, after they discover that this something has happened to the kids, which then they chase down Freddy Krueger and burn him alive in one of these one of these buildings. Which the thing that I liked was that you up until a specific point in the movie, near the end, you were not really a hundred percent sure that he had done anything. Right. I, they were trying, kind of playing it like, uh, possibly in this reboot, Freddy Krueger was an innocent guy who was murdered by the parents without any sort of, uh, cause. They like assumed the worst, killed this guy, and maybe his revenge is, like they'd said, a Pied Piper kind of thing. He's taking his revenge because the parents killed him. Yeah, and that's right. even the kids actually ask um, ask uh, Quentin's dad, did you even see any of this stuff that he we were talking about? We were five years old. Five years old. I mean, if you have children, five-year-olds five year say all sorts of crazy shit. Sometimes it's kind of <laughs> spooky. The man in my closet is very upset at you, father. Like, what? I mean, maybe he, maybe he talking about? really just liked kids legitimately. Yeah. Maybe he, maybe he just liked kids. And I, I was actually doubting whether or not Freddie was guilty of, of these things when, when this scene kicked in. Yeah. When he's, but, I mean, when he's burning it, alive, you know, you start to kind of wonder. Yeah. As appealing as that is, you know, for the idea of like a one shot movie, you can't make a franchise where you have Freddy Krueger as a sympathetic figure. Right. Right. Well, it's, and it, they blow that away eventually. Yeah, yeah. real good. I mean, but that's what I was thinking as I was watching it. I was like, you know what? It would make for a good movie. It's a great like twist for the actual movie, but it wouldn't do well for the franchise itself. Yeah, you can't. You can't. I mean, how, once you've enacted revenge on yeah. once the phrase "poor Freddy Krueger" enters your head. <laughs> yeah, but well, they, they, but in this they, one, it kind of did. There was there was that moment where you're like. Is this, are they really hunting down an innocent man? Right. And then when you find out he's not, you're like, okay, yeah, he deserved that. Yeah. But they can, re- they can franchise one off revenge movies. I mean, look at The Crow. Sure. True. But anyway. But that's not Freddy Krueger's role. Freddy Krueger is supposed to be evil. Sure. All right. Well, we get to the point where they are on the run. They are trying frantically to track down, but they're trying to figure out how to stay awake. Because he's getting more and more aggressive. He's causing them physical harm. Uh, Nancy ends up in the hospital and they try to sedate her. Mm-hmm. Oh, by Judith Hogue tries to sedate her. Oh, I love her. From Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was really, enthu- really enthusiastic there. Yeah, so. and uh, <laughs> you also have Quentin runs out of his meds. Yep, runs so out of his... So he's going to start falling asleep like he probably should have days ago. And then for some reason, the pharmacist wouldn't give him the pills. <laughs> yeah. Well, his, he had mentioned that his prescription was for something very much like speed. So the pharmacist was probably like, I got a teenager asking for speed, and the computer says I can't give it to him. And he is really jazzed out. Yeah. Yeah, he was not acting like normal. Well, and he looks like he hasn't slept for several days because he hasn't. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, from the pharmacist's perspective, that's, as no. far as I'm concerned, entirely reasonable. Yeah, I, yep. I didn't give the, you know, the pharmacist, he was like <laughs> doing his job. Now. Right. Why was this pharmacy open at 11 o'clock at night? I don't know. Most aren't. But anyway, much less. And then uh, with um, Nancy coming in and bleeding all over the place, you think, right. I I don't know. But if I was a pharmacist and this tricked out dude comes and he's begging for his speed, I'm not giving it to you. Fine. He storms off and he leads his girlfriend who is covered in blood out of the store. Wouldn't you be like nine, one, <laughs> one? Yeah. It's like there's it's a story behind cops. that. So, uh, but the cool thing was what they were at the hospital, he, in a moment of clarity, 
gets into a uh, na- uh, nurse's cart and steals two vials of adrenaline. So, yeah. and can you give yourself adrenaline in the arm, in the leg? I mean, does it okay. matter? You can. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was like chest yeah. only thing or no. I, I, I know somebody a, uh, who did it recreationally. <laughs> <laughs> Pat and I both laughed at that. That's frightening. Anyway. So I'm sorry. I was, I was, I was, yeah, I was thinking about something at that point. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the, um, they're driving to the, to the school and he gives himself the adrenaline in his leg and manages to get, you know, get a, a quite a ways before it apparently starts to wear off where the sleep over overdoses on the, uh, you know, overdoes the, uh, adrenaline. And he sees Freddie in the middle of the road, drives off the road. Now they're walking to the, to the school. And when they finally get there, they discover the, the basement. And that's where things, you know, any inclination that you had of Freddy being innocent, innocent goes straight to hell. Cause <laughs> like, nope, he was a child molester. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they reveal that he was touching the kids. He was taking pictures of them. Uh, they went back to the original concept for Freddy there and Nancy was its favorite. And he wanted, he wasn't leading them there so they could prove his innocence. He wanted to torment them again. He was mad that they didn't remember everything he'd done to them. Mm-hmm. He wanted them to come back and see how horror, you know, just terrify them even more. And he reveals that he's been stringing them along and not because he doesn't want to kill them, but because if he doesn't keep them uh, afraid of sleeping, they'll go to sleep and they can wake up. But if he gets them to the point where they haven't slept for a certain amount of days, he can basically trick them into a coma when they finally do go to sleep. Yep. Your brain shuts down and you stay out. Uh, so their idea to to uh, take him down is similar to the uh, the first story. Or instead of pulling out a whole hat, she pulls out just a section of his uh, sweater. And she goes under, and he's standing guard, which we all know how well that works. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's just, I, I, I actually liked it. It was just a, such a throwaway line and everything, but it was just so realistic. Like, as soon as he realizes he's asleep, he's just like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That was, that's like when he wakes, when he opens eyes, he's like, ah, shit, you know, <laughs> here we are. And he doesn't last too long. I was kind of hoping that he would have brought the uh, paper cutter sword into the dream because he was holding it. Yeah, I, th- I, I thought they were going to have that reveal when they kind of pan back a little bit, but I was like, nope, empty hands. And he immediately gets sliced up a bit, taken down, left for apparently dead. Well, because right. she, cause she had fallen asleep. And he's all about uh, Nancy, so the second he heard her, he left her. He left him down, sliced up, and took off looking for Nancy. So, and then it gets even weirder with him putting her in that dress. Oh yeah, yeah. You get into some sick torture stuff, and he re- reveals like she's his favorite, and he's going to keep her a- until her body naturally dies. Not just seven minutes. He wants months. Yeah. So that's. And this one they Music make to my ears when she starts screaming. Yeah, yeah. Um, Creepy. So in the meantime, old uh, not I almost said Chucky Quentin wakes up. She's just gonna use all of the. Then we got, uh, all the other killers. I'm just gonna toss them there. Myers comes down the street. Blah blah blah. Uh, so then Quentin jumps on top of uh, Nancy and starts trying to wake her up, realizing he's not gonna get her awake. At the whole time. Freddy's tormenting her in her dreams while she's strapped down to this bed. And he's Quentin's shaking her, realizes he's got the adrenaline, smacks up Nancy with the adrenaline. Freddy gets pulled into this world. 
Yeah, and then it's kind of like the cat, uh, the dog who ch- catches the car that he's been chasing. Now what? <laughs> you know, it's, let's well, all just start kicking the yeah, shit out of it. Like, well, that worked. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh good, Freddy's here. Screwed up. Oh shit, Freddy's here. <laughs> it's like, like, yes, he may be real, but he still has claws, and he can still kill you. You yeah. know what? Something else I like to I I like these claws better than the original ones. Oh yeah, they, they seem they look much deadlier. Yeah, they're the knives are thicker and those they're shorter. Did you notice that? And they're much mm-hmm. more articulated. Yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, so then we have the battle on the. Uh, there's no booby traps or anything like that, but there is the uh, paper, gigantic paper cutter sword. Which, Which is, for some reason, sharper than any of those ever have been in, in ever. <laughs> Yeah. Can't cut through seven sheets of paper, but they can cut through arms. Yeah, yeah it can, can take an entire hand off in one swipe. It was a preschool, a daycare or whatever. They had to have it yeah. sharp. It's a valerian steel paper cutter. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, so, so they cut off Freddy's hand. They cut off Freddy's hand and finished taking him down, smacking him around. Uh, old Quentin gets... He gets it in the shoulder, doesn't he? Yeah, he got it right through the left shoulder. Right through the shoulder. And they fall back onto the killing Freddy with the fire thing. Because she apparently the only they had a flashlight in the pro my propane. <laughs> and oh. propane accessories. It was a great <laughs> scream from Jack or Earl Haley when she goes to light it up and he's just like, No, <laughs> oh, this guy's doing a good job of really being afraid of fire. Yeah. Yep. So they torch him and then burn down. The, I'm guessing they just burn down the whole school. Can yeah, you imagine how much like that it. would suck, though? You get burned alive, die, come back to life in dreams, and you're like, ha ha, I'm, I'm king here. And then you get pulled in the real life and burned to death again. <laughs> Why didn't he just go, fuck? <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> so then we come back to the real world. Quentin's in the hospital. He's been all sliced up. Nancy's kind of okay she's injured but she's she's okay she's able to go home yeah she shook up she goes home with uh her mom we have that moment of oh everything will be all right spoiler alert (laughs) well spoiler alert for a five five five-year-old movie yep no (laughs) considering we do this every time we talk about movies no no dude we're we're watching metropolis spoiler should we call spoilers We did a Nosferatu movie. Like, I, I guess they decided that, like, we've had too much internal consistency. The original had a fucked up ending that didn't make any sense. Let's do that again. Oh, my God. So, Freddy, Gotta wait. leave room for sequels. So, Freddy's in the mirror. He jabs his gloved hand through her two eye sockets and rips her back into the mirror. Yep. The mom. Yep. And then the movie ends. Two Everly Brothers. Which was actually kind of cool. That was cool. Yeah, singing, that was a, that singing was a dream. Great, yeah, I mean, song. you've got good casting with Jackie Earl Haley. Overall, the acting was better. Uh, the movie was more internally consistent. They thought things out better. They explained things. And I don't know why, despite all these things, I didn't like it very much. It looked better, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, on paper, if I was to, like, grade each of these elements against the original, most of my checkboxes are going to give the edge to the remake. But it still, for some reason, didn't quite work. And I don't really know why. It doesn't have a heart. <laughs> Honestly, no, I'm 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 not kidding. It there's it's just it's 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 like listening to smooth jazz. It's just completely soulless. Jaws. There's, there's nothing. There's no there's no heart in the movie. I mean, Jackie Earl Haley can only do so much to bring the piece up, but nobody else 
had any honestly, real investment in it. Wait. I honestly think that's just that's due to direction. Honestly, it's just if your director doesn't doesn't put the heart into it, it it shows in the performances. I mean, when you got your lead actress isn't into the role at all. I mean, well, and your director can't pull her into it. Then- here's here's my thought on it. Outside of that, is that the original film, even though it was dark and it was it was much meaner and leaner. Um, there was still that element of humor. There were still breaks where Glenn is trying to play the cassette. So his mom thinks he's at his cousin's house, but he messes up and they all have a good laugh. Or, you know, there's little bits here and there where you kind of get that break in the, in the tension and the horror. In this one, they don't do that. Even though he has the, like you said, the gallows humor, it's not the, not the kind of jokes that you're going to laugh at or feel relief for a moment. And in these types of movies, you have to have those breaks. Um, there are movies where you can get away with not having it. But then you need to have the whole movie with that tone. But and even even the scene when when the two leads finally do kiss for the first time, it feels so fatalistic, like a like a last kiss rather than a, oh they finally got together kind of thing. Well, and it's interesting that you talk about it going bigger and going darker and not letting up uh, and not having a whole lot of heart. Uh, one thing that we left off of the technical spot when we talked about who made this movie is uh, who produced it. What's well, Platinum Dunes? It's Michael Michael Bay. Michael Bay, mm-hmm. former company. But you can't say that about because uh, there's other Platinum Dunes, Dunes titles that were okay. But you know, this is a movie. This to me is like the REM of horror movies. I, I know that at some point, if I keep watching it enough, it's going to click, and I'm going to say, "Oh yeah, okay, I get it. I like this now." But it it hasn't happened yet. Even this time, I you know I own it because I'm a completionist, and I've seen it now probably five times. Every time I watch it at the end of it i'm like god why did i watch that again i liked it (laughs) fuck you all (laughs) of course i liked it i i like the the darkness of it i liked how it was a it wasn't it there i mean freddie we all remember freddie as being this quipping wisecracking hey i'm gonna tell tell you a joke before i kill you type type movies where he is like, if you take like Jason, Michael Myers, and all the other slashers outside of like Chucky, he's going to be the one that's like making you laugh while he's cutting somebody open. I almost think that they went kind of like more, more to the root of the idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where say yeah. they, they stripped off the, they took the core concept that he had originally and ran with that and didn't do the, uh, you know, okay, we're going to make them, you know, we're going to make him uh, say something, some sort of pun before he kills everybody every time. You know, well, I, and that, even that became, you know, it wasn't until the third one before they really started doing that. Well, yeah. that, that's the that's the part of Freddy Krueger that I really didn't like when they kind of turned him into a really bad uh, sideshow, you know, Vegas like vaudeville kind of yeah, thing. You know, and 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 I I I actually like this movie a lot too. So um, you're not alone, Mike. Oh, good. <laughs> I liked both of them, but um, I probably like the first one a little more, just just nostalgia wise. But I enjoyed this one, and I like the darker version of Freddy, where he's not you know he's not a punchline. He's just a, a straight up nasty evil killer. I mean, yeah. And I think I want to feel about it the way you guys do. Because on paper, it's like I should like this movie and I don't quite get why I don't. I, I, I guess I, I can buy Joel's explanation. Yeah, the pacing is a little off. I agree with Joel. Um, did I say that? Well, I mean, in a way you did because like they, they need, you know, if they inserted just a little bit more humanity into the characters, maybe you would care about them a little more. That's like, like, like Josh said, yeah. you don't even feel anything when Jesse's gone other than like that was an awful way to die. You don't feel like, oh, poor Jesse. 
Right. Well, it was like a great technical scene. It was awesome, but like I don't care about anybody in this uh, film as a person except maybe Quentin, and I'm going to have to include Nancy in that. No, I yeah, agree. Nancy could have had – I'm sorry. You could have gotten – you got more – more backstory on Quentin than you did on, on Nancy. It almost was like I was expecting Quentin to be the the focus versus Nancy. Nancy had the same name, but I was expecting Quentin to have the white shock of hair by the end of the movie. Sure. Well, here's here's the way it fixed. That would have been interesting. You, you switch, yeah, you switch focus to Quentin, who's a likable character. You, you add not humor with Freddy, but you add a little bit of humor with the main characters to make them you care about them a little more. You lose a lot of the CGI effects and go more practical with some things or figure out another way to do the effect because there was way too much bad CGI in this film. Yeah, that, that, like we said in the first half, that wall was awful. Yeah, you, yeah. Know, what, yeah. you know what, though? You got you to gotta say, if you're bad CGI, watch it on a tablet. You won't notice. <laughs> Good point. I've seen a lot of things on small screen. It's Dennis's theory on, on bad movies that if you watch it on a small enough screen, it will become good again. And that's true. I believe, I believe you're yeah, right. Yeah, because it's, it's way too obvious watching it on a big screen. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. But I think I guess, if you made those small tweaks, I, it could have been something pretty great. And in some ways, that kind of upsets me more because it was okay to bad and it was so close to being very, very good. It wouldn't take too much to have made this really good. Right. Yeah. Like so, all they needed was somebody, like one last person, to go over the script and just add some life to it, like a Kevin Smith type. Well, and, and like you said, I, I think you're you're dead on. Shift the focus because you really did care about Quentin more than any other character in the film. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, I was just looking over Platinum Dunes lineup here, and um, apparently. Michael Bay really likes remaking horror movies because Chainsaw Massacre, Amityville Horror, The Hitcher, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, those were all the first movies that he made with uh, Platinum Dunes before he started getting into, you know, The Purge and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So uh, let's do do it around. Okie dokie. Uh, 84. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I give a thumbs up to both. Josh? <laughs> I'm going like to give a very reluctant thumbs up, which is how I've always kind of felt about it uh, for the 84 uh, and an equally reluctant thumbs down for the remake. Like my, my feelings about both of these films remain complicated. It's a Facebook status. It, it's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> Josh, I'm, I'm on the same, uh, same idea as you, Josh. I mean, like the original rewatching it, I don't think it held up as much as I was hoping it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And the new one, after watching it, I liked it, but it, it did miss some of the soul. Mm. I mean, I still thought it was all right, but it was, I thought it was, could have been, you know, just a little bit, like I said, one more run over on the, on the, on the script. And it could have been so much better. Joel? Um, the original, absolutely thumbs up. And even though it has a lot of, suffers from a lot of pacing issues, some, some, uh, issues with the time period that it was made and the sound issues, it's, it's still created one of the most iconic characters that for me as a kid was like one of the people that I just, right up I there with Fred. Mr. Rogers. Right. Exactly. I've got a Freddie Glove actually sitting on the desk next to me. Um, and then as far as the remake goes, this is the reason why people don't want remakes. They see movies like this and, and they, and they didn't, they did just the wrong amount of things to make it just, I, I, it's a, it's a big thumbs down. I, I don't know that I'll ever like it, but I'll keep trying. <laughs> I'll keep trying. Uh, all right. So, uh, there you go. For next week, 
We're uh, going to the 1977 The Hills Have Eyes and the 2006 remake of the same name. Yeah, continuing our month-long tribute, at least three-weeks-long tribute for uh, uh, Wes Craven. Yes. And uh, if you'd like to check out any of all our other shows, uh, you can catch us on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and the entire archive on TalkShoe. Yeah, and you'd like to call and give us a suggestion or give us a little chit-chat, 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. I have seen neither of those movies. What? Oh, see, the next week is a is a big one for me um, for a couple of reasons. But actually, in just a point, uh, uh, part two, The Hills Have Eyes, part two, the sequel from the and the seventy seven, uh, was also directed by Wes Craven. Although we're not talking about it. So yeah, tune in next week where uh, Mike will be calling the movie Deliverance <laughs> <laughs> and Deliverance Two, Electric Boogaloo. That'll do, pig. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks a lot for listening, folks, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Stay geeky, my friends. Yeah. To, my favorite part was when you expected one of us to drive you to the to the hospital. No, no, when I expected Will to drive me to the hospital. Because he said he could drive stick shift. <laughs> I was joking. Yeah. What kind of joke is that? <laughs> is that, is that funny? It's funny. So Mike's over there like hurt and bleeding, holding a tissue to his face, trying to drive stick to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and Christine kicked my ass when we got there. <laughs>